Good morning, everybody. Vayikra Perek Zain, chapter 7 of the book of Leviticus. Although Vayikra, for the remaining chapters that we have, will certainly continue to place a large emphasis on the korbanot, on the sacrificial offerings. Nevertheless, in some ways, chapter 7, our chapter for the day, is a sort of a conclusion to the overall view of the laws and of, of the sacrifices and of their different variations. From chapter 8, tomorrow we will begin to have the instructions to given to Aharon and his sons in order to prepare them for the service and for the setting uh, of the Mishkan up on its uh, on its on its actual way and our chapter today concludes the overall laws many chat many uh, paragraphs are introduced zot torat ha'asham that's how our chapter is introduced these are the laws these are the overview of the asham the guilt offerings later on we have zot torat zevach shlamim this is the laws of the shlamim offerings etc. before we reach a general conclusion right at the end of the chapter these are the Torahs of all of the different forms of the Korbanot which God had commanded Moshe on Mount Sinai on the day that he commanded Israel to bring their offerings and for this form of an ending of the Korbanot, what I would like to share is a piece not concerned with the fine details of our chapter, as we have done in our recordings until now, but rather with a fascinating, penetrating, and in many ways terrifying insight into what the nature of the Korbanot actually are. And I take this from, not from an ancient source, but actually from a very modern one, from a philosopher, one of the great Jewish philosophers of the 20th century, called Michael Wishagrod. Sadly, very unknown. He passed away just a couple of years ago. I happen to be one of the very few people at his funeral, being somebody who greatly admired his work. His work, his major work, is called The Body of Faith. And The Body of Faith has, early on, a description of the sacrifices, which for me is the most penetrating, powerful and disturbing idea of what sacrifice means from ancient times until the very moment that we are speaking now. I'll read to you as follows. This is from page 18. The darkness of the sacrificial order must not be ignored. In sacrifice, man alleviates the darkness of his situation. A dumb animal is to be slaughtered. Does it understand the fate that awaits it? Does it realize that at this spot thousands upon thousands like him have perished? The priestly slaughterer approaches the animal with the lethally sharp knife in his hand. Yet the animal does not emit a sound of terror, because it does not understand the significance of the instrument. It is then swiftly cut, the blood gushes forth, the bruting begins as the struggle with death begins, as the animal's eyes lose their living sheen. The blood is sprinkled on the altar, the animal dismembered, portions of it burned, and portions eaten by the priests who minister before God in the holiness of the temple. This horror is brought into the house of God. What is the bridge that leads from this slaughter to the holy? 
Sacrificial Judaism brings the truth of human existence into the temple. It does not leave it outside its portals. It does not reserve sacred ground only for silent worship. Instead, the brooting, bleeding, dying animal is brought and shown to God. This is what our fate is. It is not so much, as it is usually said, that we deserved the fate of the dying animal, and that we have been permitted to escape this fate by transferring it to the animal. It is rather that our fate and the animals are the same, because its end awaits us, since our eyes too will soon gaze blindly as his, and be fixated in deathly attention on what only the dead seem to see, and never the living. In the temple, therefore, it is man who stands before God, not man as he would like to be, or as he hopes he will be, but as he truly is now, in the realisation that he is the object that is his body, and that his blood will soon enough flow from his body as well. The subject thus sees himself as a dying object. Enlightened religion recoils with horror from the thought of sacrifice, preferring a spotless house of worship filled with organ music and exquisitely polite behaviour. The price for such decorum is that the worshipper must leave the most problematic part of his self outside the temple, to reclaim it when the surface is over, and to live with it unencumbered by sanctification.